0: or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Had me a little worried there. I couldn't see my table from where I was standing. Thought I was going to have to hold my book, and my water, and my Kleenex, too. <laughs> a little bit of uh, panic in my mind there. How's everybody doing? beautiful weekend. Uh, thank you to all our volunteers that came out yesterday and helped out with the Cutter, Rance, uh, Cutter Rally for Cancer. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, again, just really appreciate everyone participating in that and helping us as a church to value add to that whole project. Um, beautiful day for that as well. One of the better years we've had for that. And uh, so that was, that was great. So uh, uh, way to go Kenton and crew for doing that. Uh, I missed out on a hot dog roast yesterday. I was a little bit disappointed by that, but other than that, things are going really well, and we're excited uh, about what's coming up here. We're in actually our last week of our series where we've come alongside Kelsey and her team in FBC Kids and what they're teaching our kids, and so we've been paralleling that. We've been going over the same uh, lessons as they've been going through. It's actually a privilege this morning to be able to just pray with some of the uh, FBC Kids volunteers and just to review Uh, everything that we're going to be talking about this morning and some of the things that they're doing there, they do a little bit different, a little bit more expanded uh, in some respects than we do and so it's kind of fun to see that. But our goal through this whole thing has been that as we learn that we would not just learn it for ourselves uh, what we're talking about through these lessons but that we would come alongside our kids and our grandkids and, and any other kids that we might come into contact with so that we could be reinforcing what they're learning as well, so that together, that our, our spiritual lives could be growing, that we could be getting deeper with God. And honestly, you know, as I've thought about this series and as we've been going through it, I am so grateful uh, that Fran and I didn't have to have small kids during COVID. For those of you that have small kids over the last couple of years and you've been navigating through this with them, I just salute you. Uh, we valued so much being able to bring our kids to church and to have What we're teaching them at home being reinforced here as we brought them week by week. And just to be able to take them into their classes and to know that people were building into their lives. And they were able to hear the same things that we were talking about, but from somebody different. And in that respect, even just so that they would understand that maybe mom and dad aren't the only nuts in this tree. As we talk about what we're talking about, what's what's important to us in, in terms of our faith. And so if, if COVID has done anything for me, one of the things that has done for me in spades is convinced me of the significance of church for our kids. And so I'm grateful for Kelsey and our team and, and everyone that's been involved in, in that and are helping to pass that on to these next generations as well. Now, I'm trying to make a point here this morning, and, and, and my point is this. I was, I was talking with Avery a couple of weeks ago, and I was uh, talking to him... To, telling him about this study uh, where it's been understood, it's been determined that by the time kids reach the age of 13, that's what they believe, that's what they will believe by the time they die. So what they understand, what they believe at age 13 is what they'll die believing. And so we were talking about that, but then Avery actually was telling me, he actually shared a study with me about the fact that Now we're starting to see some different things happening within our youth culture, within our our younger age demographic. And what we're seeing is that adolescence, this period called adolescence is expanding. First of all, it's starting earlier in life. But then it's expanding longer, it's taking, it's protracting out further because of the length of school and, and things like that. As kids go through their elementary school, secondary school, and then into post secondary school and so on and so forth. It's ex- extrapolating out. And therefore, their time, or the time that uh, they sort of leave home, if you will, and get their own jobs and move out of the house and so on and so forth, is getting pushed back. However, within this adolescent stage, there is a, a period called dissociation, if you will. It's where kids seek to become more autonomous, where they start to exert their own independence and where they start to stand on their own two feet, gravitate out from under the umbrella of mom and dad, if you will. They detach from their parents. And while adolescence, this period of adolescence is protracting, they're not actually delaying this period of dissociation. So it's happening within the context of adolescence now. So rather than waiting to actually move out of the house and to start this, to to sort of act on this dissociation, if you will, by leaving home, by getting their own job, starting to pay their own bills and things like that, they're starting it within that period where they haven't necessarily left home or they don't have these other options yet available to them. And so they're finding other ways to accomplish this detachment Two of the areas that they're focusing on more as demonstrating their detachment or this disassociation, if you will, is in family tradition and religious beliefs. Now, it's one thing to change our family traditions. It's another thing when our kids start to dissociate from us within the context of our religious beliefs, within the context of our faith. And here's the thing. The study is pointing to the fact that kids are turning to religious belief as a prime area to dissociate from their parents because they aren't seeing religious beliefs, spiritual convictions, Modelled as primary in the lives of their parents. that's That's a scary thought this morning. That as our kids look around and as they start to try and find ways where they can exert their independence, they see that spiritual beliefs are an okay area to do that because they're not really of that much consequence because I can tell that my parents don't live according to them. So here's the thing this morning. As a parent, I don't care if my kids don't cheer for my sports team. And I don't care if my kids want to be wrong and think that Lamborghinis are better than Ferraris. I can live with that. And it's okay with me if my kids disagree with me that hot dog roasts are a culinary and cultural pinnacle in our society today. But it is not okay with me. In fact, nothing matters to me more than that they would agree with me concerning my spiritual convictions, my faith. Because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that my faith is real and the consequences thereof are very true. Which is to say that there is actually a hell and there is a heaven and there's a difference in how you get to one over the other. That we all don't just arrive at heaven. And so it's horribly important to me that my kids no one understand my spiritual convictions and that they appropriate them and adopt them for themselves. Now, there's no guarantee in this, is there? There's no guarantee. We can do everything right and our kids can make decisions to go different directions and I acknowledge that today. So there's no guarantee. But that just underlines for me all the more how important it is for me to do everything that I can in order for them to find that faith for themselves. Therefore, I have to take my faith seriously. I have to model my faith for my kids. I have to teach my faith to my kids. I have to also tangibly demonstrate the convictions of that faith, which is to say that I can't just talk about it, i got to live it in front of them so that they can see it So that they can understand the significance of it, the importance of it. And so that as they choose then to go their way one day in life, that they will choose to make their own path, but their path will not be different, spiritually speaking, than mine. And that they will follow on as the next generation holding true to what we know and we believe Therefore, anything that I can do to help them on that path, which is to say, the opportunity, the privilege that I have of having them here at church, of pointing them to others that share my faith, that can also speak into their world about these same convictions, those things are huge. So I'm so thankful for everyone that's over there across the hallway in our FBC Kids area that are lending of themselves to help kids find this to be true and to follow it for themselves. To know and understand it so that they can come to meet Jesus Christ personally as well. This morning, as we talk about coming alongside our kids and helping them, I pray that as a church... Together, as parents, grandparents, adults, as a church with FBC Kids Ministry in it, that we will stand against this trend that we're seeing now of kids dissociating from the faith as they go forward. Because their eternities are at stake. Let's pray. And then we're going to dive in and get to the lesson. Father, today... God, we are so thankful for the opportunity that you give us in church. Father, I pray that you would help us to take advantage of it, that we would see it for its significance and its importance. And not just church, Father, not just church, not just FBC Kids, but our faith as a whole. That it wouldn't just be Sunday morning, that it would be seven days a week, 24-7, 365 that you would help us to live it out, that we would know you and that we would live then by the courage of our convictions, that it wouldn't just be in our minds, it would be in our hearts and therefore then it would be in our actions. So to that end, would you be with us now? Come alongside us and help us to learn again help us to see you, to meet you anew this morning as we consider this lesson that you have for us. For I ask these things all now in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right. So our bottom line this morning is that we need to make time to help others. Make time to help others. And our text for today is Christ's healing of blind Bartimaeus, which we're going to look at in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. So if you'd turn with me there, Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. There it says, And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, as we've seen and as we always see within the context of Scripture, there is far more here than we can talk about this morning. Mark is drawing our attention to so many things as he he writes this and as he includes this account of Bartimaeus in his gospel. We see here that that the theme of discipleship is still very front of mind for Mark. He's been talking about that through his book, and it's still playing out right here in front of us in this account. We see also that there's this growing understanding of Jesus Christ and his identity, which again has been playing out through the Gospel of Mark. I'd encourage you, if, you know, it's, it's awesome, we've got these different reading plans for our Bibles and so on and so forth, where you know sometimes we do a couple of chapters in the Old Testament, and we do a chapter in the New Testament, or, or things like that. But I would really encourage you sometime... Um, set aside the time to actually read through each gospel in one sitting so that you begin to see the whole lope of the story, so that we begin to understand all of the message, the whole picture that John and Mark and Luke and everyone are are writing for us, Matthew and so on and so forth. It's, 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 It's a bit of a commitment in some of those longer gospels. Mark is a relatively easy one to accomplish. Read them as a whole, though. So that you can see this whole thing playing out. <clears throat> so the identity of Christ, the, the, the growing recognition of who he is has been playing out. And we're not going to have a whole lot of time. Bill, I'm going to cough. Sorry. <coughs> You're a good man. Thank you. That's been playing out. We're not going to have a whole lot of time to, to dive into that this morning. We'll catch that another time. We're going to look again more specifically at this gospel from a different perspective, this idea of making time to help others. So we're going to begin in verse 46, if you will. Let's look at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, This isn't just filler. This isn't just stuff that's in the middle here in order to get to the Jesus part, if you will. This is really important. Interestingly, Bartimaeus is the only person named in Matthew, Mark, and Luke by name. He's the only person that we know that Jesus healed by name. Sorry, he's the only person named in those three Gospels of those that were healed. So out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Bartimaeus is the only person that we know personally was named. One day, for those of us that know Christ, you're going to be able to wander into heaven someday and say, Hey, Bartimaeus, pretty cool, your story, right? You'll be able to identify him. You'll know him. The rest will have to introduce themselves to us. All right, but anyhow, I think that, and I think that that's, that's important. That's a significant point for us. I, I, I think Mark includes... Bartimaeus' name this morning on purpose because it, it serves the purpose of the message that he's trying to communicate. And we're going to see that as we go forward. Here in this verse 46, we also find something else. We find out that Bartimaeus was not only blind, but also impoverished, which is also important. We see here that he was in need in more ways than just one. He wasn't just blind, but he was then poor, begging. Now, That's not really that uncommon. It would have been very typical for anyone that was incapacitated, disabled in that respect, to be poor. They wouldn't be able to participate in the general things in life where they would be able to make money for themselves, so they would be relegated to begging. And so as we go through this story, in that respect then, it would almost seem that this is superfluous, For Mark to be including for us. We should generally kind of have that idea. Oh, he's blind, I get it. There's nothing that he can do for work, really. It's not like they had accounting jobs or whatever. You know, blah, blah, blah. What have you with Braille and and everything to figure out. Computers to talk or what have you. So he would have been there begging. But don't skim over it. Mark includes it for a very specific purpose. And it's so that we are clear here this morning that there is no doubt in our mind that Bartimaeus is nobody special. He's one of the marginalized. He has been pushed to the side of society. He is not somebody significant or important. And Mark wants that understood by his readers then and you and I today as well. Bartimaeus is a nobody in the world as we know it. We see that again by virtue of verse 48, where it says that as Bartimaeus started to call out to get uh, Jesus' attention, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. The crowd sees fit to tell him to shut up. So as Jesus approaches, Bartimaeus begins to shout. He's saying, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, pay attention to me over here. And not just a few, but many, it says, tell him to pipe it down. And they push they push him further away. Marginalize him even more. He is not worth their time. He is definitely not worth Christ's time this morning. But then, we come to verse 49. Verse 49. There it says this. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. And said, call Him. Now, at this point, we really need to understand the larger context of what is going on here. The, the, the whole background, backdrop to what, ha- what was going on that led to this point in time. If we go back a little bit, we understand really quickly. We see that Jesus is in the last, very last days of his ministry. That his time on earth is coming to an end. Right now, he is headed for Jerusalem. They just come to Jericho and they're beginning the, the, the walk up, literally walk up in elevation into Jerusalem. And he knows that as he comes to Jerusalem, at that point then it's going to be when Judas betrays him when he's going to be arrested, when he's going to be taken, and he's going to be put on trial in some sort of a kangaroo court by the religious leaders and then by Pilate in front of Pilate. Moreover, Jesus knows that he's going to be beaten, he's going to be flogged. And ultimately, he's going to be taken outside of the city, up and onto a hill called Golgotha, and crucified there, killed. Jesus knows all of this. He's, He's well aware of it. In fact, just a few verses before this, back in chapter 10, verses 32 to 34, Jesus had predicted for his disciples his death a third time. Three times he'd come to his disciples and said, hey guys, I'm going to die. Shortly, I'm going to die. He knows what's coming. This isn't at all a surprise to him. He has it fully in view. So we need to understand here this morning that as Jesus comes into town, And then as leaving Jericho on the next leg of his journey, journey, that he is on the first leg, if you will, of his death march. And despite his own circumstance then, we find that Christ is very much in the moment, if you will, here. He's not in his head. He's not focused on himself. He's attuned to those around him. His eyes and ears are open. And he hears Bartimaeus. And Jesus stops. Now I want to ask you this morning. What if it was you or me walking outside of Jericho that day? What if it had been you or me in Jesus' shoes? How would that play out? Like honestly this morning, what are the odds we stop? What are the odds? If it's you or me, how does that play out? I, I know how it plays out for me. At that point, if we aren't totally focused on what is ahead of us, to the exclusion of all the others around us, so wrapped up in what we know is coming, that we are oblivious to everybody else and their issues, I'm guessing that if it isn't that, then we are so focused at that point, on what I want to do with my last few days. That I'm so engaged in my bucket list or whatever it is, these things that I want to get done before it's lights out for me. But again, regardless, to the exclusion of others. For me, it plays out one of those two ways. And in both ways, I'm not paying attention to anybody else around me. I'm focused on me and myself and I, but not so with Jesus. Now, here also, we need to be very aware of something else that is going out within the bigger context of Mark's gospel, of his account here. This whole event with Bartimaeus plays out right after one of the primary apexes of Mark's gospel. And if you ask me, honestly, it plays out right after one of the very primary as- apexes, aspects of Scripture as a whole. It comes right on the heels of one of the most Fundamental points in our understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what it means to follow him. And we need to see this and understand it this morning so that we can understand and recognize the significance of Christ stopping to help Bartimaeus today. Mark is a lot like John, he writes with purpose, he writes with intent so that he can communicate to us, so that he, we can understand today who Jesus is. Just before Jesus has come into Jericho, James and John have just approached Jesus. And they've come to him and they've asked him to sit at his right hand and left hand in heaven. Alright, they've come to him and they've made this request of, of the Lord and said, Hey, how about it? Would it be okay For me and my brother here to sit on your right and left hand in heaven. They were looking for privilege and power and prestige. And as you actually look into that, it's funny how they even, in a sense, butter up Jesus. We don't have time to go into the whole details. But culturally speaking, a person of, of honor, a person was honored by being in the center Okay, so anyways, so they, like I mean, it's smooth. They come in, and they're asking for something. They're asking for privilege. They're asking for power. They're asking for prestige. And Jesus replies like this in Mark 10, verses 42 to 45. Jesus called them together. Now, he calls all his disciples. After this request, he calls all of them together. And he says you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. So he points now to the Gentiles, oh, it's a long story. we can't get into that this morning, but he uses the Gentiles as an example because the Gentiles are understood to the Jewish people as, as being in authority and oppressing them and having their whole structure over top of them, all this authority and so on and so forth. So Jesus just points he uses them as a case in point, and he points to them, and he says, "You see it right there, You understand it. This is how they exercise authority. they lord it over one another, and the ones that are down here are lorded over by the ones that are a little bit further above and." All and on it goes. It's a big power struggle. It's a whole grasping for authority, fighting your way to the top. Verse 43, Jesus looks at them and he says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave, to, a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now you want to know who Jesus Christ is today. Now that tells you so much about who He is, but it also speaks to you and I today about who He calls us to be, as He asks us to follow Him. Jesus came to serve. His posture is that of a servant and a slave. And he's asking us as well, not so with you guys, not so that you try and grasp authority, not so that you so that you try and social climb to the top. Not so that you look for privilege and power and prestige. I'm here to show you that our way, my way, is now that we serve. That we care for those around us. That we make them more important than ourselves and we lay down our lives for them. That's Jesus' way. One of my biggest excuses for not taking the time to help others and I'm going to be so bold this morning as to assume that you're not unlike me in this, is that I am busy. You ask me to help others, and I'll tell you I am busy. You ask me to make time to help others, and I say, well, I have work. I've got to get to work. I've got to get to work. You ask me to make time for others, and I say, well, I'm sorry, but I have kids. And that's my God-given responsibility to raise those kids. No, it doesn't matter that they're doing all the things that I want to do and they're just making my life, they're fitting, I'm making them fit their lives into mine. My thinking, yada, yada, yada. They've got school, they've got dance, they've got hockey. I am too busy. I've got life going on. I can't stop to help. My car's got to get to the shop. I have to go to the dentist. I've got to pick up groceries. I don't have time. But then I come to this passage and I see that Jesus stops. For blind Bartimaeus. And that messes with my head. Because I understand now. I'm confronted by the fact that Jesus is calling me to be different. He's asking me to change the way that I work. Because my life doesn't play out that way. That is not my M.O., my method of operating. But Jesus says, that's the way you're supposed to operate, Doug. Buddy, dude. Not so with you. That isn't the way you're supposed to operate. This is the way I want you to operate. This morning... Maybe you've been hanging out for us with us for a while. You've been tracking along with these messages. And over the weeks, this question has been mounting in your mind. It's just getting louder and louder in your head. How am I supposed to do all this stuff? How, how am I supposed to be taking time to show others that they matter? How am I supposed to be taking what I have to help others? How am I supposed to be making time to come alongside someone that's in need? How can I do all of this stuff? I've got work. I've got family. I've got life going on. And now you're asking me to do this, and to do that, and to do the next thing. How how can I fit all of that in? And therein is a big part of our problem, I believe, today. In North American church. We keep looking at these things and wondering, how am I supposed to fit it in? When in fact, Jesus is not asking us to fit it in at all. He's asking us to change the way we do our lives. He's not asking us to add in one more thing, two more things, three more things. He's saying, I want a wholesale revolution of the way that you live. From the foundation up, I want this to be different. Not so with you, Doug. Not so with you as a follower of me. It's not adding something in, buddy. It's changing who you are and how you live your life. I think that for the most part, we've decided in our life and in our faith is that we're going to add Jesus in. I'm going to go about doing my life and I'm going to add a little bit of Jesus. When Jesus is asking, hey, no, 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 no. I'm your life. And you can add a few of these things in as is necessary as I lead and guide you. We keep trying to add Jesus to our mission. We want the same life as the people on our block or maybe just a little bit better. And we want Jesus along for the ride on that for sure. Oh yeah, Mm mm-hmm. But Jesus isn't here for our mission. He's here on His mission. And He's asking us if we'll be a part of that. That if we'll give up our mission for His. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and to give his life to bring people back to his father. So, as Bartimaeus comes to his attention, he stopped and made time to help him. Now, he's asking us to do the same, to have compassion. To make time to serve and care for the people on our block. Those that Christ has put around us. And in that sense then, he's asking us to give up our lives as a smaller representation of him and his ransom that he has paid for us. The question then is this. Are we going to stop? Are we going to stop? In other words, his mission or mine? Let's pray. Father, today, Lord. I know I understand this is this is crazy you're asking us to change the way we live, and Father, that just isn't easy. We can understand that this morning. We can even agree with it, but to actually do it uh That only happens if you help us. And so this morning, Father God, I would pray that today that you would come and that you would work in our hearts to the extent that you would change us. That we would allow you open access to our heart of hearts. So that you could begin that revolution, that renovation of our lives. So that we could be the people that you call us to be. That we could adopt your mission. That we could live it out. And that as we do, that our kids even would see it and know it to be true and real. So that they could follow it too, and not just them, but others around us. Father, help us today to lay down our lives just a little bit more like You so that we could give our lives as a small token of the ransom that You've given so that we could know You as well. Now I pray this now all in Christ's name and for His sake alone. Amen. Hey, um, again, thanks for being here. Next week, next week, We're going to look at this whole idea of the mission that God is calling us to in a little bit deeper way, and uh, we're going to do that in in a new series that we're starting called Unleashed, so don't miss out on that. If that's not enough of an incentive, remember, new series, Donut Sunday, invite some, some friends to come and have some donuts on us, and I'll look forward to seeing you then.